Good morning. Welcome to Ask the Expert, a daily series from 8.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. to help small businesses. You can ask any questions in the comments or hashtag QBATE on Twitter. Uh, if you need any more advice, join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. QuickBooks also have a dedicated COVID-19 information site. Just go to QuickBooks website, scroll down a little bit, and click on the big Learn More button under the header, Support for You and Your Business During COVID-19. Uh, my name is Jeff Lin. Uh, I am this morning's expert, uh, and uh, it's a great honor to be here. I am the executive chairman and co-founder of a business called Cedars. Uh, we are a platform for raising uh, private capital and investing in ambitious uh, startups and growing businesses. Uh, what we do is sometimes called equity crowdfunding, uh, but we like to think of ourselves a little more broadly as a marketplace for all sorts of ambitious uh, businesses and all sorts of growth-focused investors. I'll talk a little bit this morning about myself, my journey, and 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 what we've done in building Cedars these last ten years. Uh, and then I'm very much looking forward to taking any questions uh, that come through, whether it's about raising capital, whether it's about other forms of, of of support for small businesses, or frankly anything else that I can be helpful with. Um, so I began my career uh, as a corporate lawyer first in America, the accents a giveaway, uh, and then and then subsequently uh, over here in London. Um, and as much as I found the practice of law interesting, I really wanted to be part of growing something. I really felt that I wanted to be uh, have the chance to to build a business from the ground up. And so uh, I left uh, law, uh, did what anyone who who doesn't quite know what they want to do uh, often does, which is I went off to do an MBA. Um, and while I was doing it, uh, I met my uh, co-founder, a chap called Carlos Silva, a brilliant brilliant technologist and an entrepreneur. And and he had this idea. Uh, for an online platform website uh, that would allow people to invest directly in startups. And this was 2000, late 2008. Um, and it was kind of an unheard of concept at the time. I mean, in those days, you know, if you were a, an, 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 uh, an early stage business uh, and you wanted a brand new business and you wanted to raise capital, um, once you got to a certain stage later, there were venture capital firms and there were institutional investors out there. But that first few hundred thousand pounds, let's just say, was really very difficult. I mean, either you had a rich uncle or had earned a bunch of bonuses from uh, uh, working in the city or something like that, in which case you were kind of sad. And it's amazing how many early stage businesses in those days that got off the ground did so because of that. Um, or else you went through what I often call the, the a sort of Victorian experience in the sense that if in, say, 1870, you were, you were a young person with an idea, an invention or something, and you wanted to get uh, money to finance it, you would go around to some rich people in Mayfair and potentially in the city, show them it, and try to get them to write you a check. And in 2008, you were still doing exactly the same thing. Um, and so we thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this. There has to be a better way for entrepreneurs who are looking for capital. Um, in the early stages to be able to go out and raise that money from a wide group of their friends, family, customers, if they've already got some uh, networks and other people who they can reach and not necessarily limit it to just a handful of very wealthy investors, but be able to broaden it out. And then at the same time, and maybe a little less obviously to some at the time, I mean, I think, I think the, the problem for early stage entrepreneurs and raising capital was a pretty well-known one. Slightly less obviously was we felt that there was a vast 
group of people out there who would like to be able to invest in growing businesses. So, you know, the you know, venture or private equity and sort of small P, small E, whatever, however you want to define the asset class, but the invest, you know, the asset of, you know, growing private companies is a very lucrative one. It's a very high risk one. Most will fail. You know, you figure seven and 10, something like that will fail. One and 10, two and 10 will just about wash their face. And then, and then all the returns, you know, you hope will come from about one in 10. So it's a high risk asset class. But a diversified portfolio folio historically has outperformed pretty much any other form of investing. And we felt there were a lot of people out there who wanted to be able to get exposure to these kinds of businesses, um, but who either didn't have the money to invest the way that a business angel or venture capitalist invests, where you're talking about 25, 50,000 pounds minimum per deal, often more, and building a diversified asset, diversified portfolio means you know a million pounds plus allocated to the sector. Um, you know, or even if they did have, um, you know, even if they did be, if, even if they did have uh, um, uh, the, the the capital to invest, often they didn't have the time. They didn't, you know, they they had the money because they worked fourteen hours a day in the city and didn't want to go to demo days on Tuesday afternoons and do the other kinds of things that angels who are often sort of semi-retired uh, are able to do. Um, and so, you know, we saw a huge demand uh, to be able to raise this capital. We saw a huge supply of capital from people who wanted to invest. And we felt there had to be a way to use this wonderful technology called the Internet um, to build a platform to allow people to do that. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, so we, it was a long journey. And I won't bore you all with with the ups and downs of getting regulatory approval other than to say that, you know, today the FCA is probably the world's most advanced regulator when it comes to understanding fintech and technology and in, in um, uh, uh, technology uh, innovation and finance uh, 10 years ago they weren't nobody was and so we had a long long process going through with them um, but uh, in the end uh, we got ourselves approved we launched in 2012 uh, and we've now been live for about eight years and over the course of that period uh, we've funded nearly 1100 deals uh, we've seen about 900 million pounds pledged on the platform, uh, and you know we are growing quickly. Uh, you know most of that, or about half of that, has been in the last couple of years. So we're seeing we're seeing a huge amount of of, of uh, activity so far. Um, it's been obviously an interesting few months uh, uh, with 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 COVID, um, and you know I'm, I'm I'm sure some people have have questions around. Business fundraising in this environment. The one sort of general thing I'd say is, to our slight surprise and certainly delight, um, fundraising activity has remained really quite robust during this period. Um, the you know we have found that obviously some businesses are going to struggle to raise money. Those in you know certain sectors, hospitality and others, you know where there isn't quite yet a clear path to the return to growth. But investors, I think, understand this period as being an unusual blip for most businesses. And even if people are seeing their revenues down, even if people are struggling a bit for cash. I think many investors are, are prepared to back businesses now, um, potentially at slightly lower valuations than they once did, uh, uh, but they're prepared to back businesses now on the basis that they are, uh, you know, uh, that they that they see a path 
um, to getting them to return to, to, to grow. So um, it has been a fantastic uh, journey so far. Um, the one other thing I would say, and this is sort of a generalized bit of, of our journey and experience, but I will share is that, you know, I am slightly unusual as a founder in that about three years ago, I fired myself. Um, and, and I say that sort of half tongue in cheek. What I really did was decide that we needed a proper CEO for the business. I was CEO for the first eight years, um, but I'd never run a business before. And uh, while when you're at the very, very beginnings of a startup, I think the founder probably is best place to be CEO. I'm a big believer that the things that make you a good founder, and I like to think of myself as having been a, a decent founder and getting the business from zero to one, those things you know, rarely coincide with the things that make you a great leader of a scaling business and everything that goes with that. So I was very fortunate to be able to hire an outstanding CEO um, named Jeff Kaliski, who's run the business for the past three years now. Um, and one of the great things that happens when you do that, rather than getting pushed out, and, and you know, I think you know, to some degree, it's always a matter of jumping before you're pushed. But because I identified the issues and I identified the need for a CEO, um, I had the opportunity to carve out a role for myself ongoing. I didn't want to leave the business. I, I love working at Cedars. I love doing everything I can to help us grow. I just didn't want us to... Uh, I wanted us to be led by the best possible person. Uh, and so as a consequence, um, you know, I became executive chairman, which allows me to focus on a number of our long-term strategic projects. It allows me to be a founder again as I look at initiatives that don't necessarily impact us day to day, but will have a significant long-term impact. Uh, and it's been a great transition and, and one that I've been very happy with. I think I'm just about out of time for the intro. I can babble on for, for forever about myself, um, uh, uh, but I will spare you that. Uh, instead, uh, I've already seen some questions starting to come in, uh, so let me let me take each in turn. Uh, so first, we've got Sanj, who's, who's come in, written in from Facebook Messenger. And he says, hi, Jeff, we want to do a fundraiser, and I'm thinking now might not be the best time. From what you've seen, what do you think? Um, well, I touch, as I sort of just touched on, um, uh, I, I think actually now can be an excellent time. Uh, to raise capital. I think part of it will depend on the sector that you're in. I mean, I think that if if you are in one of those handful of sectors where there's still an uncertain path in terms of, you know, what does it look like to return to normal and return to growth? Um, and I think there are only a few sectors really like that. And I think it's probably primarily around kind of hospitality and travel. But, um, you know, unless if you're in one of those sectors, then, then it may be a little bit of a struggle right now. At, you know, at the same time, you know, even with an uncertain path, there's 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 clearly going to be a time when you know the, everything will come back. You know, and and when it does, it probably will come roaring back. Uh, so there may be many investors out there who are prepared to take that risk. But I think in most other sectors, actually, now really is a very good time. I think you know you probably will have to be realistic about valuations. That's not to say that valuations are going to be you know highly depressed. But I think that 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 you know the days of trying to get sort of, you know, really aggressive valuations, you know, I've shifted a bit and that's a normal part of any market cycle. Uh, but no, I think now it seems to be a good time. There seems to be a huge amount of investor appetite. Obviously, if you would like to, um, uh, you know, if you, if you would like to talk uh, with us at Cedars about, about raising capital, we would, we would love to do so. And I'll, I'll say this again at the end, but, you know, please feel free to reach out to me anytime. I'm at jeff.lin at cedars.com. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff Cedars. And, you know, I'd be more than happy to introduce you to the right member of the team. But net net, I think now is actually likely to be a pretty decent time for uh, uh, raising capital. 
next question comes uh, uh, from Simon, who's, who's DM'd via Twitter. What business idea has been your biggest surprise so far? Um, that's a great question. I think the one that probably threw me the most is a business called Hectare, um, which when it first came to us was called Sell My Livestock. Uh, and I remember ha- I remember coming in because I get notifications as each new campaign is submitted. And I saw this and I sort of laughed. And I went over to our investment team and we have an absolutely outstandingly talented woman who at that time was number two on our investment team, now runs it, uh, named Kirsty Grant. And I said to her, I said, have we really let this business sell my livestock through? Is that even a thing? And she said, nope. She said, I, I, I totally believe in this business. I think this is outstanding. She said that you know, the world of trading in livestock, um, uh, the auctions and markets that farmers go through, uh, is a big one. Um, but it is completely offline still. And these guys have an idea for creating online auctions in the space. And I sort of shrugged, and I respect and trust her. And I said, OK, if you think this is, this is a thing, let's go for it. The truth is, it's a brilliant idea, and it has been, um, you know, a very significant success. Like many businesses that are trying to digitize uh, a traditionally offline space, it's taking some time. The growth is 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 not overnight, um, but it's been a it's been a great business. I've gotten to know the team a bit, and 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 you know, they're hugely hugely talented people. You know, agritech, I think, as a sector is very interesting. And my understanding, I haven't been closely engaged with them recently, but my understanding is that they're one of the the businesses that have benefited a bit from the recent months because there hasn't been an ability to hold in-person livestock auctions. Uh, they've also incidentally expanded into grain auctions and things like that. So that's probably a business, and, and, it's, and it's probably indicative in many ways of the problem, you know, with my sort of citified uh, background and exposure. I, I know very little about farming, and so I saw it and wouldn't have thought of it as being something that stood out. But you know, it was uh, it's a it's a great opportunity, and 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 thrilled to be part of it. So that's probably the one that I I, I would I would call out. Um, Amar from Facebook Messenger says, for a new investor, what would your top tips be when looking to invest in a company that's looking for funding? And is there a minimum amount you would recommend to invest to make it worth it worthwhile? Uh, so I'll take the second part of that first, which is to say no. I think I think there really is no minimum. I think whatever is you know is is you know works for you in the context of your portfolio. I mean, we tend to say that as part of your overall investment portfolio. 10 to 15% is probably a good target in terms of this asset class. So not one business, but this asset class. Again, high-risk asset class, diversified portfolio should produce outstanding returns. And if they do, then 10 to 15% of your portfolio, you know, it'll make a difference. But if it doesn't, if you just are unlucky and happen to have a portfolio that doesn't have any of those outperformers in it, um, you know, it's an amount of money that you can lose without it materially affecting your lifestyle. And that's a very, very important point when investing here. So uh, really, it's more about relative to your overall portfolio, what you should be investing in the asset class. And then within the asset class, diversification is key. Um, you know, one of the problems, I mean, I, I've come across this so many times, one of the problems that offline business angels often face is that, you know, they'll say, you know, I don't, I don't get this game. I made three investments and they all failed. How do you make any money? Well, if it's a one in 10 game, I'm not a mathematician, but it's not that hard to understand that three investments statistically is probably not going to be enough 
Um, and one of the things, one of my favorite features, the Cedars platform, one of the things that I really like the most and many of our customers do is by making it so easy to invest. I mean, I haven't talked through all the mechanics, but it really is a simple web checkout type process with a little bit of additional sort of screening and, and, and checks, you know, in, in the context of being a regulated financial services business, but it's meant to be as straightforward as possible. You can quite easily build a portfolio of 20, 50, 100 or more businesses. We have many people, myself included, um, who have invested relatively small tickets into over 100 businesses on the platform. Um, and I, I highly recommend that. What you actually choose to invest in is very much up to you. I'm, you know, I, I'm a believer that particularly with early stage businesses, you know, we do do some later stage businesses as well, and that that then you know tends to involve a little more analysis. But early stage businesses, it's fundamentally a question of you know what's the idea? Do you believe in this idea? Do you think there's a market that will pay for this idea in some form? And probably most importantly, is this the right team uh, to bring this to the market? Um, you know, I always, I mean, I always love to think about, I mean, the, 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 the great counter example there um, was a business that we had submitted to us at one point making uh, women's lingerie. Now, not an industry I know anything about, but I can imagine that, you know, there have been businesses, Victoria's Secret and others that have done very well in that space. So you can certainly imagine it's a, it's, it can be a successful business. But the founder and the front man for it was somebody who looked roughly like me and about 15 years older. Um, and that doesn't tend to bode well. I'm not trying to be lookist in any of this, but you know, this was, this was an older man who didn't seem to have any particular connection or natural affinity for that particular industry. So probably that's probably, you know, that may be a slightly superficial example, but it is important to understand whether you have people who understand the industry that they're working in. Um, that's probably the kind of core advice I would share when it comes to when it comes to how to build a portfolio. But happy to talk further offline. We've got a lot of great resources on the Cedars website. Um, if you go down to uh, the bottom, you'll see links to some great resources, both for investors and for entrepreneurs. Uh, Charlie or Charlie from uh, Twitter DM says, "Good morning. Would it be crazy to copy a business model which appears to be mega saturated, like starting up an online fitness app?" You know, the challenge in, 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 in the sort of copy model really is how do, you, how do you differentiate? How do you cut through without just spending a whole lot of money? And, and particularly from an investor's perspective, the thing that they do not want to back, the thing they don't want to put money into is just giving you millions to outbid competitors on AdWords. Um, that's a very expensive way to build a business and not a particularly appealing so I think that what an investor would say uh, generally would be, you know, if there's a real differentiation here uh, that can help you cut through, uh, or if there's, for example, a geographic differentiation. I mean, we see when we see copy paste type businesses all the time where somebody's observed something in another region and decided to do the same thing here, and for whatever reason, what they've, you know, the, the, the business they've observed hasn't hasn't traveled internationally. Uh, so we, you know, we, we see that all, all the time that can work. But if there's no real differentiation, if it's really just a, a copy paste, um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to win generally. Um, and it's probably going to be quite hard uh, to, to, to raise the money um, uh, 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 in order to in order to finance uh, uh, that kind of a business. Um, Mina from uh, DM from Twitter says, I've been wanting to invest for some time now and wondering how I should think around different types of equity and which one is right for me. Do you have any advice? Uh, well, that's a good question, Mina. And, 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 you know, you can get into a whole bunch of 
sort of nuance around equity structures and things. And, 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 and you know, I, I, I won't go you know, quite that detailed. I guess what I would say is the following. The, the key thing you want when you're investing in an early stage business um, is to you know have a relatively simple investment product. So you know, and when when the moment you start to see complex pref shares and all other things that you know go beyond sort of you know a general layperson's understanding, probably worth getting nervous. It's not that there aren't structures out there that are, are worthwhile, and and you know it may well be that you're you're in a position to understand how they work. But the vast majority of early stage investing is usually done through ordinary shares. Um, and it is, you know, sometimes they're eligible for some of the great tax reliefs we have here, uh, EIS, SCIS, things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it is, you know, generally a, a straight ordinary share investment. And then the key thing is to make sure that you have the basic investor protections uh, that uh, 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 investors in private companies need. I mean, this is one of those slightly nuanced things, but it's important, which is that, you know, if you just invest in shares of private company, uh, there aren't a whole lot of, unlike in, a, unlike in a listed company, there aren't a whole lot of legal rights to protect you. You're sort of dependent on the goodwill of management. And, you know, sometimes that's enough, but often the problem is, particularly when companies become valuable, management changes, new investors come in, and, 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 and you know, the, the rights that you would like to have, you know, protected and maintained, such as against unfair dilution and things like that. Uh, you know, suddenly disappear. Uh, and so having a basic set of investor protections is important. One of the really key things we do at Cedars is that every deal that we do, we invest as nominee on behalf of our underlying investors, we enter into professional grade subscription shareholders agreements, um, and then we monitor and enforce investor rights. Um, none of it's rocket science, but it's a very important thing to do. Uh, as long as you have that, as long as you have a basic share structure and, 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 and the right investor protections, that's the key, baby. It's then your choice, I think, as to whether do you want to pick your own companies. You can do through a platform like ours, Cedars. You go and take a look at, at each individual business. Um, or there are funds out there and other, other sorts of products where people are doing it for you and you pay fees for that. Um, and that really is up to you and how you want to invest. Um, right. Joe, who's coming via a YouTube live feed. Uh, says, hi, I have a tech-based hardware product that requires 250,000 pounds to update design uh, and technology and testing prior to launch next year. Is this a fit for your organization? Joe, very potentially, yes. Um, we need to learn more. Um, there are a few things uh, that we look for um, in terms of what is, you know, what, what's likely to succeed on a platform like ours. And I should say that one of the key principles with Cedars is that you know, our we see our job at Cedars HQ or now at each of our houses, I guess, um, not as being to make investment decisions. I, I don't want to sit here um, and 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 make a judgment as to whether I think your business will work out or not. If if I were, then I would have turned down Hectare because I didn't understand um, Agritech. You know, our goal here is to look for businesses that we think the market is likely to come up. We've got you know five hundred thousand. Or so investors on the platform, uh, you know, we want to put out to them the things that we think they're likely to, to find attractive. So what we do whenever we talk to a business is engage with them a little bit to understand a little bit more about the business, the community around it, where it is, a few other things, and then we can give a sense as to whether this is the sort of thing that uh, is likely to be attractive. So Joe, I would say please do get in touch. As I say, uh, Jeff.Lim, that's J-E-F-F dot L-Y-M at Cedars.com. Uh, tweet me at Jeff Cedars. 
uh, I will get you connected with the with the right member of our team. We've got we've got a, a, a few people who look particularly after hardware, uh, and so uh, you know they'll chat through with you, and uh, hopefully we can hopefully we can be of help. Hopefully we can work with you. Um, right, Alexandra from Facebook Messenger says, for investors, are we better off getting in very early on a business, or shall we wait a few rounds in? So that's a great question, um, and one of those questions that everybody has a different view on. There is no one answer. I like getting in early, personally. I think that the sort of pre-seed and seed rounds of businesses are really very exciting, and I think that you know you obviously accept a much higher failure rate that way, and it's only worth doing if you're able to build a diversified portfolio. But I think that's where you can really see the truly outstanding returns. I think once a business has grown a good bit, they've got more people looking at it, you know, that's when venture and institutional investors are really starting to, to take a look. And, you know, if it's if it's a really attractive proposition at that point, there'll be a lot of competition to get into the deal. Um, and I think the returns go down. Now, of course, it's a safer business at that point. You know, a B round, C round business is more likely um, to produce uh, uh, material returns or returns of some sort um, to its investors than a pre-seed business on an individual basis. Um, and to some people, if that's your risk appetite, then you know, then then I think that makes absolute sense. So there's no one right way to do it. But I'm I'm I personally like you know I, I like shooting for the stars. I like the opportunity to be part of businesses at the earliest stages. So that's how I tend to. Uh, Sana uh, from uh, Twitter by DM uh, comes back with, hi, Jeff, uh, from, from the entrepreneurs you've seen using your platform elsewhere, what skills have the most successful individuals possessed? Again, a great question. I think a couple of things. I think one is, uh, you know, and, and, and probably, probably first and foremost, above all, has been a, an ability to communicate effectively and transparently. You know, I think one of the things people often perceive when raising money through a platform like Cedars is that you need to have this big, sexy video and you need to be able to sort of come off as a as an Instagram star or something. Again, you're looking at somebody who's very far from that. And I don't think for a moment that that, that, that is, 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 is the key. But I do think that being able to communicate honestly, uh, authentically, both via, via video and chat, but also through through um, uh, uh, communication on the platform during campaigns, as our ongoing Q and A, things like that. That's really critical. And 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 I'll tell you, one of the things, one of the criticisms that was levied at us, me, the, our business when we first started, was people said, "Well, how are you ever going to invest? How will anyone want to invest in a business without meeting the entrepreneur in person, without looking the whites of their eyes?" And part of the answer is you don't necessarily have to. I mean, one thing you can do on our platform is reach out to the entrepreneur and say, "Hey, can you grab a cup of coffee?" Uh, but on top of that. You know, we think that by being able to see a video, by being able to interact remotely with the entrepreneur, you can learn a lot about them, you can learn a lot about the team. And so those entrepreneurs that, you know, are forthcoming, are transparent, are engaged, care about their investors, want to have those conversations, that makes more difference and, 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 and you know, more difference than you can imagine. We try telling that to the entrepreneurs who don't do that. Um, and it's a very hard thing to persuade people of, but I guarantee you that's the most important. That is probably the number one thing. I think the second thing, and, and I alluded to this earlier, is what I sometimes call product team fit. People talk a lot about product market fit. I'm a believer in product team fit. The right team for the right market. You know, you want to be doing a business that you believe in. You know, we had somebody earlier asking about an online fitness app. You know, that can be a great business, um, you know, you know, competitive set aside. 
Um, but the key thing there is, is you, know, you probably should be somebody relatively into fitness if you're going to do that. Uh, you know, if, if you're if you're going to do a games business, you should probably be a gamer. And so there is an element of, you know, do you know your stuff? Do you know what you're talking about? Lots of other things we could go into, but I'm, I'm conscious starting to run short on time. So let me uh, let me take final final questions here. So John has come in via Facebook Messenger. What is the future fund? I heard about it a while back, but don't understand how it works. Um, great. Future Fund is a really important government initiative that was launched during uh, this crisis. You know, some of you will be familiar with with C bills and some of these bank lending schemes that are targeted at in um, uh, 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 that are targeted at uh, uh, businesses. Those are largely for sort of steady state or more pro, you know or profitable businesses. The Future Fund is very much for venture type businesses, businesses that are still loss making, uh, that are growing uh, quickly, uh, uh, but that you know have hit a cash crunch. Uh, or, or are struggling to raise investment, you know, during this very unusual time, uh, and it's a matching fund. So what you have to do uh, is raise half the funding privately, uh, and then the future fund will match it. And there are a number of constraints around it, and it's a very specific structure. Uh, so you know, I can't go through uh, all of it here, but I would definitely recommend you you Google for future fund. It's it's hosted within the British Business Bank website. Um, but net net, um, it is a vet, you know it's it's an attractive way to essentially double up the private funding that you might be able to receive right now. We're doing a lot of future fund campaigns at Cedars. We got a lot of businesses that are raising their private funding through us, and then the match bit is coming through you know from the government. Um, it's an extraordinary plan. I mean, it's not something that will be permanent. You know, by any means, we don't think, but it's been a great bridge uh, to help people get through uh, this period. So uh, this is, I think, brings us to an end. I want to thank you all very much for listening. Uh, very much appreciated. Uh, final couple of words that the Intuit folks have asked me to, to share. Um, any questions, please get in touch with the QuickBooks support team on Facebook. Or again, please reach out to me anytime, jeff.lynn at cedars.com. Uh, Twitter, uh, Jeff Cedars uh, uh, is great. Uh, coming up on Ask the Expert tomorrow is Peter Jarman, uh, who is a partner in the award-winning accountants and QuickBooks firm of the future, PJCO, Chartered Certified Accountants. In recent years, they've been at the forefront in helping small business owners systematize and streamline their business operations through the use of cloud technology and profit improvement strategies. Make sure to tune in tomorrow and get free business advice from a profit growth accountant. Uh, a reminder that if you need any more advice, please join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community on Facebook, accountants and business experts on hand 24-7. Thank you all again. Stay safe and bye.